We have two readings this morning, and firstly, let me apologise for my croaky throat. The first reading is in the Old Testament. It's from Isaiah, the prophet, and it can be found on page 687. It's Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through to 5. The mountain of the Lord. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all natures will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. (coughs) The second reading is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through to 46. And this can be found on page 995 in the Pew Bibles. The Sheep and the Goats When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. (coughs) Sorry. Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was ill and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or ill or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Sound check. Can you all hear me? Thank you. Well, good morning, and a special hello to those who are listening to this via the internet at home. And thanks, Tim, for praying for me. Uh, That is not a mere formality, because all I'm using are words in the end, and I do hope and pray that God will take my words and speak to you through them. Dates can be interesting. It's interesting to know when somebody's birthday is. Uh, Mine is this week, Wednesday to be precise. So you've still got time to get those cards in the post. (laughs) I was interested, I was looking around to see who shared a birthday with me. And I discovered that, um, I thought I was going to try try and find somebody that would impress you. Uh, And the two I found, the only two I could find were Ronnie Corbett. And General Franco. <laughs> I, can, I can see you're impressed. <laughs> but I did my best. Here's another date for you. What happened on the 20th of July, 1969? It was the moon landing. Fantastic. We landed on the moon. Uh, not me, by the way. I'd pay, <laughs> I'd pay good money not to go up in rockets up to the moon. But I can remember my father, who assured me that a man would never land on the moon. And then he paused for special effect and said, and come back to Earth alive. But of course he was wrong. Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon and he famously said that's one small step for a man one giant leap for mankind which I suppose it was but another astronaut James Irwin commented and he was a Christian he commented shrewdly it is more significant that God walked on earth than that man walked on the moon and that is the event that we celebrate at Christmas time in which we anticipate at Advent. And with that in mind, I'd like to share a few simple thoughts with you which relate to the Advent season. And as we look forward to Christmas, 
the first coming of Jesus on earth, we're looking at the great event in history, the event which split history in two, so that we now measure time before Christ and after Christ, B.C. and A.D. I'm not going to look at the birth of Jesus, because that sermon will be coming shortly, and I don't wish to steal the thunder of whoever is the preacher on that day. I'd like to look forward to the second coming. Today's the first Sunday of Advent. So what is Advent? It comes from the Latin word meaning coming. And I'm going to be saying a lot about coming this morning. And traditionally the readings and teachings at this time of year direct our thoughts to the first coming of Jesus Christ as Saviour and his second coming as judge. And one tradition involves lighting a candle um, on each of the four sundries preceding Christmas, and that's a tradition which we follow here at Christchurch. We've lit our first Advent cal- uh, um, candle there. And the countdown to Christmas can also be marked by using an Advent calendar, which is a practice which was introduced so I understand, by the German Lutherans. And it so happens that we have a German Lutheran here this morning. So don't say we don't plan these things. (laughs) I went off to buy an advent calendar in Tesco's. It struck me, why is it that when you go to the supermarket and you've got so many gleaming trolleys to choose from, Why is it that you invariably end up with the one with the wonky wheel? (laughs) And and when you finally get to the tills, why is it that your queue always goes down more slowly than the one next to you? (laughs) My wife will explain to me later, I'm sure. But more important than that, why is it that when you look for Advent calendars, most of them have nothing to do with Advent at all? I was uh, trawling through what they had on offer in uh, Tesco's. Milky Bar, Advent calendar, of course. Maltesers. Disney, oh yes. (laughs) I'm a Disney fan, but hang on, Disney Advent, I'm not so sure. The Simpsons. The band, One Direction. BBB Moshi. What's that, somebody? Somebody help me. (laughs) And Skylanders Swap Force. Somebody better brief me on these afterwards. I'm out of my depth. But isn't it a sad reflection on our society, which is increasingly eliminating all expressions of the Christian faith? I found one at Tesco's, though, which I can recommend. And it's this one. They call it the real Advent calendar. And as you open the 25 boxes, this is not a 25-point service, by the way. <laughs> you'll be pleased. To, I'm sure you'll be pleased to know that. Um, as you open the 25 boxes, as you go through the month, so you see different aspects to do with Christmas. Various characters who are involved, and you find a chocolate. And as we all know, chocolate is proof that God wants us to be happy. (laughs) 
So you find your chocolate in there. And on Christmas Day, you have a booklet which tells you all about Christmas. And on the back of this uh, Advent calendar, there's a little tag there that says, Christmas starts with Christ. I thought that was good. And if you go on the website, which they mention, they have lots of useful resources, including how you can get in touch with an Alpha course, how you can find out more about Jesus. It's fantastic. I do recommend this real Advent calendar and its fair trades. I mean, there you go. But let's get back to the idea of coming. As I just said, I'm not going to deal with Jesus' birth, the first coming. And you'll be hearing plenty in these coming weeks, as I said. Advent also points towards the second coming. And we don't know when that's going to be. It might not be in our lifetime. On the other hand, it could be today and it could be before I finish preaching. I don't know. I, I can remember as a boy hearing so many sermons with the challenge that Jesus could return maybe tonight. And it was always said with dramatic effect. And it made a great impression on me. Ah, maybe, maybe. And I heard that challenge so many times that I stopped taking it seriously. And as Monday morning dawned, I breathed a sigh of relief. Jesus hasn't, hadn't come. So I could get on with the rest of my life. Business as usual. The panic was over. But of course they were right. Jesus will return when we're not expecting him. And we need to be ready. As as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about people who we look forward to, whose coming we look forward to. I thought of the postman. I thought of Father Christmas. And I also thought of the leader in the game of hide-and-seek. There's an important difference between these, as I'm sure, being discerning people, you can tell. We don't know when the postman will come, or whether he'll come at all. In fact, the way things are going, his days are numbered. (laughs) Perhaps he will never come. Father Christmas is a bit hit and miss these days. It's funny how our children suddenly believe in him at this time of year. Hide and seek's more interesting. Do you remember, I'm sure you do, whether you admit it or not, do you remember playing games when you were a child? When I was very young, one of the things I used to love to do was play hide and seek with my dad. And this was the plan. I would hide three times and he'd find me. But on the third time, he had to pretend not to find me so that I could hide again. Great fun. It really was. <laughs> um, and I can remember, too, playing with friends in the park. That was good fun as well. A game I'm sure you've all played in the past. You tell your, your friends to go away and hide, and then you stand face with your 
facing a tree, don't you? It always has to be a tree for some reason. You screw up your eyes tight so you can't see, or you pretend not to see anyway. And you count to a hundred. And then you shout out, coming, ready or not. Does that ring bells with anybody? Yes, I'm sure it does. But it was fun, wasn't it? When Jesus comes back, he will come at that precise moment whether you are ready or not. Are you ready? Not will you be ready, but are you ready right now? Because it could be at any time whether you are ready or not. We know that when Jesus does return, there'll be a time of peace, justice, stability. And you'll all know the song, I expect, gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside, ain't gonna study war no more. And that song harks back to the passage which we read from the book of Isaiah. And we look forward to that happy time every time we say the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. As we look around the world today, we don't see much that makes us happy really, do we? We think of all these hot spots, Iraq, Iran, Syria, Afghanistan. And we see the political pundits on TV as they struggle to offer their analysis, possible solutions and so on. And I just sigh and I feel so frustrated. And when I pray for these situations, I really haven't a clue what to pray for. Do you feel like that? I'm sure you've felt that like that as well. As it says in Romans 8:26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. What a relief that is. God understands. He helps us. And in the world we see such a mess which God will sort out one day as he is ultimately in control. Every time we take Holy Communion, we are reminded that whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The remembrance of our Lord's death is only for that time until he comes again. So it's coming again. It's the second coming that it focuses on. Our second reading is an interesting passage. And it's one of the hard sayings of Jesus. You've heard sermons on this one, I'm sure, in the past. Uh, talking about why Jesus used parables. Um, considering who the sheep and the goats are. Why right and left? Uh, and the truth about God as judge. And I don't want to dwell too much on that, save to say the important point 
that when Jesus returns, he will know who his true followers are. Not by what they say, and not by asking them questions. Not so much by that, as by their actions, by what they do, by what they don't do. In the Olympic Games, Mo Farah didn't need to tell anybody that he was a fantastic runner. When you saw him winning race after race, he didn't need to say anything. His actions spoke louder than words. In the same way, God knows us on the inside, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. That's bad news, isn't it? Because we can't fool him. But on the other hand, it's good news, because he'll give us credit when we've tried and failed, or when our intentions have been good, and yet things didn't work out as planned. I can remember when our children were younger and they cooked something for us. We appreciated the thought, even if the final product sometimes turned out to be an unmitigated disaster. Those were the days. We went hungry, but we were happy. <laughs> but what are we doing? Are we trying to live close to God? and through our actions show his love to others in the everyday things of life. Jesus mentioned feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and those in prison. Now, we're not necessarily called to do all those things, but some, certainly. Doing nothing is not an option. Feeding the hungry, helping those in need locally. Maybe supporting charities like Tear Fund. Giving financially to those in need, especially at this time. Those in places like the Philippines, where they've been devastated by that typhoon. So feeding the hungry, welcoming strangers. Being friendly to all those we come across, maybe here in church, maybe in town. Even simple things. Um, so, so when you go to Sainsbury's or you go, to the, uh, and you, you go through the checkouts, uh, talk to that checkout girl at Sainsbury's. She's got instructions to ask you what sort of day are you having. But, okay, talk to her. She's probably bored out of her mind and she needs cheering up. And further afield, perhaps we should be encouraging government to look favourably on those poor people who've been exiled from their countries and seek refuge here. Welcoming strangers, clothing the naked. Maybe we should say yes to that man in the car park who wants to wash your car. You can't be bothered. But after all, he has to make a living. Let us be generous to those less fortunate than ourselves, and not just at Christmas all year. Visiting the sick. 
Some of us do visit those in hospital, but there are plenty of folk from this church who need someone to go round and cheer them up. Just look at those names in the church bulletin. Stacks of them. Read, go and see them. Read with them. Pray with them. Listen to music with them. But whatever you do, spend time with them. Visiting those in prison. This maybe doesn't apply to many here. It didn't used to apply to me, but I was counting. I now know three people who've been in prison. Perhaps some of you know more. Can we pray for them and support them in that way? Or maybe even visit them? And if we're able to do any of these things that I've just been mentioning, because we're housebound, we can always pray for these situations. It's not for me to decide what you should be doing, but doing nothing is not an option. How is God calling you to act? Notice I said, I didn't say, is he? I said, how is he calling you to act? Ask him. Sometimes I think it's a bit like the queue waiting for the bus. If you see the average bus queue, you'll see a variety of people doing a variety of things. Some reading the newspaper. You'll find somebody there looking at his watch. Oh, is it late again? Some people will just be talking to the person sitting, standing next to them. There's always somebody there on the mobile. Some are writing notes because they're going shopping, things they must remember or things that they must do later in the day. Some are happy. Some are sad. Some are tired. Some are angry. Some are frustrated. Thinking of our lives as Christians, which one of those people are you? How are you spending your time? And as we wait for Jesus' return, what are we doing with the time? At this time of Advent, when we look back to Christ's birth and look forward to his return, let us reflect. Let us feel encouraged that God is in control and will one day have a good old sort out. Let's think back too to that game of hide and seek because on that day it really will be a case of Jesus saying, coming ready or not. And as we think of my little parable of that queue at the bus stop, just remember that one day God will ask you, in as many words, what were you doing while you were waiting for the bus? I hope and pray that these thoughts will be an encouragement and a challenge to us all. Amen.